Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. On today's episode of The Millionaire's Lawyer, we have the pleasure of speaking with Richard Viasana, who is not your typical business owner. In fact, he works and has started a not-for-profit that is getting quite a bit of punch in his own industry. He is the founder of Forever Homes for Foster Kids. For over 25 years, the organization has worked with government agencies across the country to reunite immigrant and foster children and their families. He was formerly a professor at UABC Tijuana and has given presentations all over the world on this very topic. Richard, how are you today? Doing excellent. Thank you for having me. Did I get that right? An organization that you've been really, that you founded and been growing for about the last 25 years, haven't you? That's correct. That's great. I mean, obviously you've made a lot of headway. You and I met earlier and I got some sense of the the scope of the uh, help that you've been able to provide with this organization. Can you tell the listeners what you do? Yes. Uh, actually, the best way to describe what we do is with a quick story. So, we work with foster children, and in this case, there was a young girl named Veronica. She was living with her father. She's 15 years old. You know, like any other teenager, she's thinking about her friends, the weekend, going to junior high. Boom. Her whole life changed because her father got sent to prison, and she got put into foster care. Now, when a child goes into foster care, the agency jumps into action, and they want to find as many relatives as possible so they can get the child out of foster care. Now, in her case, they could only find one relative, and it was an uncle, but he had died three years ago. Wow. So that's all the people they knew that lived in the U.S. Now, if she stayed in foster care until she turned 18 years old, when you do, they don't get a birthday cake. They get a grocery bag or a garbage bag. They get to put their clothes in it. They get dropped off someplace, sometimes with money, sometimes not. And at that point, they got fend for themselves. So her probability at 18 was that she could become homeless immediately, turn to crime or prostitution to get you know money for food and a place to live. She could end up in prison because of that activity. And this is the sad part. Sex trafficking people, they know where these kids get dropped off. They could be in the sex trafficking industry within six hours. Wow. And that is the probability that can happen to these kids for the majority of these you know, foster kids. So at 15 years old, the option of her getting adopted was like 1%. So no relatives, not going to get adopted. Their only choice and chance is if they could find her mother who had divorced her father and had left the U.S. and had actually gone to live in Mexico. So the agency was desperate. They came to us, asked us for help. That's one of the areas we specialize in is finding relatives outside the U.S. We found her mother in three weeks. Hmm. And her mother pointed us to two aunts living in Houston. And that's where Veronica is. She's back in school, back on track, back with relatives who will keep her safe and love her. That's the work we do. There is a success story there. And as you say, the story is, uh, it can be a difficult one if it goes the other way, right? Or someone's not able to find uh, some of the help that might be available with with uh, the type of search that you're able to 
undertake on someone's behalf? How do you go about doing the search? We work with a lot of government agencies internationally. We also have, because we've been doing this 25 years, created our own uh, systems, uh, databases. So it's a combination of working with uh, the agencies, our own intel process. Sometimes the information is really sitting in front of someone, but they need someone like us to come in and translate it. Uh, Here in the U.S., not everyone speaks Spanish. Not everyone reads it. And so they may have the answers right in front of them, but they need someone who understands those documents and can look at and say, look, right here, if you'll do this, you'll have your answer and you'll have your relative. So it's having that uh, cooperation, which is the same in business. If you collaborate, all boats rise. And that's one of the things that we're able to do with these non- other nonprofits and government agencies is we collaborate. We're partners. We're working together to make sure that we can find these relatives. It's wonderful. Uh, you know, you and I were talking offline that a lot of the principles that allow your organization to succeed are the very same that allow any organization to succeed. And you guys are uh, obviously fulfilling a very noble goal and have had a lot of success in doing so. What kinds of things have you done to grow your following, your, your database, but also the groups that you collaborate with and to get your message out? Well, as you said, it's uh, imperative that as a nonprofit, we get the word out. One, to those agencies that we want to work with, and also to the public, because as a nonprofit, we're always welcoming donations. There's never going to be a nonprofit that will turn away a donation. Uh, Also, because we're looking for people to support us with in-kind services. So to get to those people, they have to hear about us. The same struggles that all businesses go Mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I remind people is that, for instance, their website, that's their hub. They need to think of their business as a wheel. And part of that, the spokes coming into it, that's your social media. And that's one of the areas we really have focused on in social media, especially Facebook. That has been critically important to us, uh, in part because two years ago they started offering the ability that anybody could start a fundraiser. And it's ridiculously easy. Happens in like two minutes, boom, you've got a fundraiser going on. And That's wonderful. So we have to reach out to people who would be interested in our message, interested in hearing about these kids. And look, these are children that nobody knows about. These are children nobody thinks about. These are hidden from everybody. You don't see these stories splattered across Yahoo or AOL. So we have to work extra hard to get this out there, just as any other business would. So if they have a brick-and-mortar place, and they're in the back end of the shopping center, they've got to do some marketing. And we've embraced social media 100%, and we've increased uh, quite a bit over the years. We now have more than 11,000 followers. Hmm. You know, we, we look work at putting the right post out there. Uh, the frequency we put it out there, that's a mistake a lot of businesses make is they do it kind of hit and miss. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be putting out, a message, and you've got to be giving out help to the client. We inform, we educate. We're not constantly saying, you know, give, give. You know, yes, people will give, but after a while, just like with sales, if you're selling, buy my car, buy my car, we're going to go away. But if you tell us, hey, here's some tips to, you know, save on your car. Here's some tips to keep your car lasting longer. You're going to pull me in. And so it's the same concepts that we put out there doing the marketing and the type of marketing we do. That's great. Uh, And, you know, as you say, it's a thought through approach. 
you've seen what works. You've seen, I guess, some of the things that don't work. One of the things you cited there, Richard, was uh, if they're, I guess, the frequency. Like, what kind of frequency do you actually uh, do you actually advise people to, you know, make sure that they're uh, sending a, a message to their audience? Five days a week, and I actually had the advantage of talking to Facebook staff this last week in San Diego. And that was one of the things that they were constantly talking about, that consistency. Think about it, though. If someone is putting up a message on Monday and then they're putting it on Friday and then the next week it's on Tuesday and then maybe they skip, then part of the problem is there's no consistency. So your audience is going to forget about you because they're not anticipating that next message, that next helpful tip, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But the opposite can happen. I see this a lot with real estate people. Great businesses, but they will just wear you down with all their housing options instead of giving you some advice. How could you save on your house? How could you save on a loan? What are the first three steps you need to take so that you can be in a position to buy a home? All these are great pieces of information they may have buried on their website. Social media gives them an opportunity to pull it from that website and put it out to the public. And then they can start getting a sense of what's really resonating with their audience. And then they can see that and they can do more and more of that. But consistency is king, certainly with social media, video and images. People who are just putting up words, it's almost a waste of time. Because video and images, it's, we're turning to that kind of That's society. What, yeah, people connect with, right? They want to see that. So videos, images, uh, like what kind of videos, images do you use for your organization? We have all kinds of videos. We have videos that talk about the many different aspects of foster care, homelessness, uh, images of you know kids on the street, sex trafficking, you know politicians talking about these matters, uh, talking about how they're getting education or unfortunately for thousands of these Veronicas. And there are 400,000 Veronicas out there right now. Wow, 400,000 across the country. Amazing. Across the country, yes. And many of them are not going to finish high school by the time they hit 18. Half of the states at 18, they're out the door with no extra programs. Or there may be some programs that will carry them till 21. But again, it's just like anything else. If they don't have the good advertising out there, these kids don't know about it. They don't know how to take advantage of it. So these it's are a the similar things. issues. And yeah, so they get the message out to likewise uh, for the things that they can be doing. So, I mean, it, I think what uh, is informing this conversation is anybody that's interested in getting their message out, the types of things that they need to be doing, right? Uh, and, and interesting to hear that uh, it's that frequent. And you've got uh, some inside knowledge with respect to that. You talk about Facebook as well. That's obviously one important platform. Are there others? What other platforms do you uh, uh, go to so, for your social media? So we are on LinkedIn because, again, that's where we can reach out to the professionals, and we're using it more and more. Uh, We're expanding our presence on Instagram uh, right now. So, again, some of these uh, we're expanding out because we have such a firm foundation on Facebook. We can now step over to some of these other platforms and start increasing there because Pretty much everyone across the board will tell you that you have to be on different platforms. But for someone who's looking at social media or hasn't embraced it, mm-hmm. I recommend one, maybe two. Because by the time you get everything up and running, that's a lot of energy you're going to be expending. And you don't want to go too broad with this. And that's what builds up the people that have one message on Instagram. They have one on Twitter. and They have something on Facebook. But it's not cohesive. It's not consistent. 
And you want to have that consistency. We want your audience to know you're going to be there the next day and you're going to be showing up with some kind of helpful information. Yeah, something of value, right? Creating something of value. And is it a similar post or you put the same post for each one? So a different platform, but a similar information or maybe very much the same? Pretty much it's the same. Again, with the graphics, uh, that's, you know, heavy for it and finding the appropriate graphics. So if you've got someone in-house who's really good at finding photos, hang on to them because I'll tell you, that's not a skill that everybody has, finding the appropriate photo to go with whatever it is you're talking about. Is there a way to get uh, uncopyrighted? I mean, you probably have a bit of leniency for your organization, but uh, different types of businesses uh, have to be very careful there. Like, is there a spot where you you know you can get uh, images from that will be – copyright free? There are many out there that are relatively inexpensive. Uh, one that I use, if you don't mind my sharing it, yeah. it's called 123R is in Robert, F is in Frank.com. And essentially for $40, you get 40 images, a dollar an image. Uh, they're well done. And the reason I like them is some of the images really look like someone went to the backyard and took a picture. And that realism certainly plays. What you don't want is a picture where it's got white background. It looks like it's staged. Nobody's going to resonate that. We're a savvy society now. We can kind of pick those out. And I'm always amazed when I see one and realize it is not one that was taken in the home. Like, wow, that's a good picture because it pulls you in. And so that's uh, one place to go. And you can share videos. A lot of people, you can do that uh, on the uh, social media. We do that a lot with links because the links bring the videos so we don't have to worry about the copyright. Um, It's preferable if we have our own videos. That gets us 100% of the uh, mileage we get from when we're sharing it with others. But, you know, if there's a great story out there that's hot on ABC, I can put it on to my Facebook, and we're going to get that pull from the public that's heard about it. Now they see it. Yeah, and here you go with that, uh, the idea again of the cross-referencing or making sure that the, it carries on. Uh, and the messaging, I guess you take an image and the messaging is all yours, right? You've thought about a cohesive message that you want to uh, ensure is, is going out to your community, right? Absolutely. It's, and that's a great point. One thing I see from a lot of people is that they'll have an image or a video, and it'll give you the title. And then they'll just repeat the title in their text portion, which is a waste of space and a waste yeah. of energy. Instead, put something personal. You know, this is a terrible story, and this is how you can help. This is a great property, and here's how you, three steps you can take to get this property. Well, that would pull me in rather than just simply repeating what's already in front of me. And so these little things that people could do that they could change their social media and improve it right now, right after this conversation. That's right. Just by listening to this and putting a couple of these, I think, wonderful tips into concrete action can certainly do so and continue to grow uh, any individual's own audience that way. How about the organization itself? Uh, I mean, it's been some 25 years. Are there many others that uh, are collaborating with you? You mentioned government agencies, but who else uh, is, I guess, both internally and externally part of the organization? Well, externally, uh, we do work with certain agencies across the country that have been coming to us. And that's important because these are organizations who have looked at what their resources are and they've said, we can't take care of this child in the way we'd like to with someone who lived in New York or lived in Houston or lived in L.A. They're, they got relatives who are outside the U.S. We don't have that expertise. We don't have that knowledge. So just like a good business, 
who where they don't have that in-house expertise, they're going to go outside to get it and bring it in. Well, there are some counties around the country that are really good at this. They care so much for the children that they'll put aside uh, whatever issues they may have or uh, realize that they do need this help. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And so they'll come to us and bring us in, and they'll do so on a consistent basis. And these are counties that I certainly applaud because they've taken that extra step to say, we can't do this job to the best of our ability. Let's get help for this child so we can do our best for this child. You know, that's the kind of people in our social welfare system we need more of. Forward-thinking people. That's right. Forward-thinking people. They realize, I mean, as you said from the beginning, right, boats rise, but we lift each other. So uh, certainly if we're looking to help somebody that needs the help, uh, if we're able to connect with others that are also similarly minded, it's going to be obviously a much better shape for the person that needs the help ultimately. As far as internally, we're always looking at new ways and new systems that we can tap into that can give us information. So we're constantly looking at the processes we use presently. If we get questions from you know maybe one agency, if it's something we've never heard of or something that we've never really used, we'll incorporate it immediately. So we're very robust on and nimble on taking in information and using it and putting it into our process. But one of the keys that has made us successful is we have process. And I was amazed when I spent time in the corporate world working internationally, how many businesses don't really have a good procedure Mm -hmm. for how they operate. And we've got everything documented, which has made us a very lean and mean nonprofit because we've saved time by not having to reinvent the wheel day in and day out. And that's something that a lot of businesses haven't put their money and invested in that they really need to. Yeah. And that's, I mean, again, helpful knowledge for anybody, right? Because structuring things and then uh, documenting how it is structured so it can be shared with others uh, to ensure that the process is being executed in perhaps the most efficient manner uh, is only going to increase the odds of, or the likelihood that the organization is successful. And you're doing that. Uh, you've obviously done this previously with some of your uh, some of the corporate work you've done and you're doing for the organization here now. What are some of the best ways of organizing? What are there some things that you can talk about that will assist? Obviously, you, you handle a lot of information, so I know that's one thing that influences what you're doing, but what are some of the things that you can offer others that maybe need some, a little bit of help in that area? Well, one of the things is you want to have a baseline. So whatever your process is right now, you want to write it up. And it may be a great process. It may not be. This exercise will, though, give you as I call it, a baseline. This is where you are. Just as in any map, you got to know where you are compared to where you want to go. And this will do that for you. So you may end up putting something together, going to a department in your company. If you're that large, you may be going to that person in sales or in service and saying, look, write me up the procedures. Let me see what they look like. And then once you've got that, then from there you can build on it. It's not a bad process. There's no Uh, recrimination here. We're not doing it to hurt anyone. We're doing this in a team effort to build and to say, okay, I've got this. Maybe I've got two pages. Maybe I've got one. But at least from there, we can say, okay, we need to sharpen this up. We need to expand this portion of how we operate so we have it's clear so that when we bring in new staff, we can give this to them. They can follow it instead of just simply saying, great, you're in sales. Here's the counter. There's the customer. Go get them. Which unfortunately is still today a way that a lot of businesses, especially 
smaller business. Businesses, probably they're much smaller than your normal audience. But still, I've worked with companies that had 13 offices around the country were making millions and millions of dollars and did not have a procedure manual in their operations area. Yeah, and we've I mean, discussed in uh, many different forms the importance of writing goals down, writing procedures down. Uh, just the exercise, as you say, is instructive. It informs the organization. And of course, then you can add on to it, right, or improve it. And of course, all of that is documented as well and shared with all. Uh, I think that's great advice to see and do that. Uh, and obviously, you guys have been doing that on your end of things. Uh, let's talk about some of the, you know, some of the goals for the organization. Obviously, there's a, a fundraising component to what you do. Can you tell us how, how the organization raises and what some of the goals are right now there? Well, let me focus on the goal right now. We have a stretch goal for our nonprofit, which is to get 50 foster children, essentially 50 Veronicas, back to their families. And we want to do that before the end of the year. And that is quite a reach. It can be done, but we definitely would need help from, you know, uh, listeners, followers uh, to help us make that happen because, unfortunately, everything costs and there is a cost when we do this work, especially internationally. So we have to tap uh, different resources that are much more costly than what you would do in the U.S. to find someone. In the U.S., you can spend 2 $3 to go to a database and pull up information. But we're talking about doing it in a different language, talking with other people internationally, and the paperwork that goes along with it, which can be quite complex and time-consuming. So all of that goes together into this particular goal. But that is our goal, to get 50 more of these foster children back to their families before the end of the holidays. And as far as how we do it, Facebook is right now one of our best go-to for their fundraisers. But we definitely have an eye on getting sponsors. We realize that by collaborating with a business that's family-oriented, that is child-oriented, if they want to be able to, you know, differentiate themselves, we've all heard about that. You've got to show how you're different. This is one way a business can easily do that. Next to the other person, if someone's doing seminars and another company's doing seminars, but they've got a component where they're giving to a nonprofit, people are going to naturally be drawn to that one because they can say, great, I'm going to get information. And as a plus, I'm going to be helping someone. I'm going to be helping a child. I'm going to be ensuring that this child is not abused, that this child is in a safe place. That's the message. That's who I'm aligned with. That's a powerful alignment and collaboration to bring to the table. And so we're looking for sponsors and companies who want to step up and have that collaboration with us, especially knowing that we think along the lines that they will. They need a return on investment. And because of our background and the way we function, we're able to work with them to make that happen. Such an important goal. I mean, uh, everyone, as you tell the story, can identify with a, a Veronica and understand the importance of helping somebody in her situation. So it's very noble. I appreciate that you're doing that. How do people find you? How, do people, how would people give if they're interested? And certainly, uh, how would they learn more if that's what they were looking for? So our website is foreverhomes for F-O-R, fosterkids.org. And right there on the homepage, on the right side, big green donate button. So they can uh, you know, donate directly there. Uh, if they go to our Facebook page, which is Family Finding M is a Mary, X is an X-ray, so Family Finding MX. And that's how they can find us also on Twitter. When they go to Facebook, there's a donate button there, and we have people who are doing fundraisers. They could 
donate to an ongoing fundraiser, or they could do their own. And really, it takes all of two minutes for someone to click, click, and click. And they can be up and running, invite friends and followers. And if there's someone who wants to be competitive for this holiday season, here's a suggestion. If they have departments or they have different groups like sales and service, they can have them as teams go in, do a fundraiser, and see which team wins, and then have something at their you know, end-of-the-year holiday you know, get-together and recognize those people for having raised money. This is a great way to build up teamwork within companies. A little competition always helps, especially if you have a larger company with departments, have the operations against the accounting department, against you know, uh, another department. It's a great way to build that camaraderie and at the same time be doing a wonderful service to children who really need their help. Oh, that's well said, Richard. Really well said. And uh, I think we said from before, no dollar amount is too small, obviously. Anything that uh, people could give would obviously be something that would help support the efforts. And I like what you're saying as well in terms of uh, there is uh, something that uh, an organization, obviously a corporate organization, can uh, there'll be some benefit for the giving it does. But also uh, for team building, right? For people as they work together, again, lifting others, right? It's a, it's a good thing. And in, in so doing, help others and help some of the people that uh, your organization has been able to really really get off the streets or really have been able to help over the years to place them where they need to be. You talk about how it's international, obviously. So it's, uh, this extends throughout the world, right? Anybody listening to uh, this type of message uh, from anywhere can obviously follow through the links. We'll have everything in the show notes. I know you do a lot in uh, U.S., Mexico, Latin America. Is there much overseas? Are you, are you seeing much from the overseas activity at this point? While I've done that work uh, in my past life, when I was working internationally, I worked with every continent except for Antarctica. Um, we are very surprised. We've had uh, fundraisers out of Australia and New Zealand, Latvia, and Eastern Europe. So we get people from all parts of the world who look and say, look, there is a child in need. That's where my heart is. And they'll do a fundraiser. And again, it's just a fun way for people to be able to give. It's easy. It's not confrontational. It's one of those where you can just put it out there and the ones who want to give will give. So it's, uh, you're not having to ask someone and wonder, will they say yes? Will they say no? This is a great way for you to engage with their followers. And just like with anything else, if someone does put a fundraiser out there, let people know about it. That's always one of the things I'm surprised about is someone will go through all the trouble of putting a fundraiser out there, caring for these kids but they won't ask anyone else to, they won't invite anyone in. So if they could just, you know, invite a few people, that would make such a difference in the response. And it's amazing for those who do invite, you know, just a handful of people, how much fun there is. Because again, it's getting their friends involved. It's letting them know, I care about these kids. And that's a message that's really powerful, both personally and in business. And it has the most lift as well. As you say, people, people are interested in making a difference. They can in, in even such small ways and by launching such small initiatives. When combined with others, they can have quite a positive effect or quite a grand effect. So obviously, to reach out and do those things. Again, we'll have all those things in the show notes. Uh, Richard, I'd ask, is there anything that, uh, for the listeners? I mean, you've got a, a wealth of knowledge and obviously you've been helping uh, people in many capacities over the years. Is there anything you can do to help our listeners? Again, that kind of value add we discuss. As we, as we leave the podcast here today, someone that may be struggling to get their message out or grow their business uh, and have uh, their message be heard by their intended uh, target? Well, certainly one of the things that they want to keep their eye on is who are they trying to reach? And this is something that 
you know, businesses do struggle with. Again, normally this is something with businesses coming out of the gate, but it can happen with businesses that have been around for a while. Who are you trying to market to? You know, the world is not your market. It is going to be a certain group of people because here's the mentality behind that. If you zero in on the age range, the educational range, who is that person? What do they look like? If you can figure out who that person is and you focus on them, other people outside of that range will yeah. look at your quality and say, wow, they're doing this for them, but maybe they can help me. So you don't have to be worried about if you're tackling the you know, millennial group. You will get people who are older than they are because they'll be looking at what you're doing and thinking, maybe they can help me. But you've got to have one place to focus on. And if you're doing your social media, you've got to be consistent. And you've got to share ways to help. This is probably the biggest tip I could give to anyone. Don't tell us about your business. Tell us what you can do for us. Don't tell us though, in a sales manager, like I can sell you this car for cheap. That's not going to help me. Tell me how I can save on my car, make it last longer. Things I would never think about. New products that are coming out that will make my life better. Value ads, right? Educating people, value ads. I mean, people are looking, everyone's looking to better themselves and better those around them. And as you say, if you're going to do anything that assists in that regard, this very podcast, as an example, then people are going to embrace that. And uh, again, I love, I love the way you, how did you say that from the beginning? When we collaborate, all boats rise. And all that's something, rise, yeah. and we've got to, in this society, we've got to be working with each other. We've got to be collaborating. We've got to be looking at people and thinking, how can we partner together? Even if they're, quote, a competitor, there may be ways for us to work together on a project so that we all win. That's well said, uh, Richard. I really, I really uh, subscribe to the same view. And so with that, again, feel free to reach out to Richard and uh, have a look at the Forever Homes for Foster Kids. As I say, we'll put everything in the show notes. And uh, again, remember, we're all helping each other here and we're all helping uh, to advance uh, important lofty goals. Richard, thanks so much for being on the show today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmcavoy.com. That's jpmcavoy.com.